Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, I thank you for who you are and for all that you've done for us. I thank you for the gift of our faith. I ask, Lord, that you give us the gratitude to live our faith well. Give us the grace of remembering and of preparing, preparing for your coming. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so yesterday on the Feast of St. John of the Cross, I got to watch someone scale to heights that surprised me. Yes, I did. Literally. (laughs) And the one that scaled to heights that surprised me was my 10-year-old daughter, Liliana, my youngest girl. Where did I see her scale to the heights? It's cold out. It's, uh, it's snow on the ground. What are you talking about, Tom? Well, I'm talking about a home that has a climbing wall. Yes, a home that has a climbing wall. Not in the garage, not in a shop, not in a uh, some kind of special room off, uh, you know, separated from the main house. No, this home is, it's this gorgeous home. It's it's magnificent home. And I have the privilege of, of actually listing the home. And as they were walking me through the home and pointing out the various features of it, one of the features they pointed out was a climbing wall. Now, this wall is 90 degrees straight up, but it has these protruding rocks. Now, it's not a simple climb, but there are, there are definitely like handholds for different parts of, of the climb. And it's not an eight-foot ceiling. It's not a 10-foot ceiling. It's not a 15 or even 20-foot ceiling. It's like a 25, 30-foot ceiling from floor to ceiling. This rock wall, these like slate rocks, like it's kind of flat slate with kind of edges, and you could kind of make your way up a bit. And uh, they have safety harnesses. They have these safety harnesses. And, and, and by, the, by the way, just getting into a, like a, a climbing harness for a rock wall, it, it takes a little bit of know-how <laughs> to be able to do that. I actually videotaped it so I could know how to do it myself. And so they got Liliana harnessed up, uh, hooked her in. I think it's called a belay, I think. They locked her in, and um, this safety harness had a kind of a pulley system where at the top there was pulley where if she ever, like as she was climbing, this pulley system was kind of, uh, had a little bit of strain on it going upwards so that if she ever fell back, it would let her down at a, like a, uh, a weight capacity kind of pace where it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't be too strong. Um, it wouldn't be too, too fast, the descent. Well, to watch that young lady climb was really impressive. Uh, the way that she climbed, made her way up, reached here, stretched here, grimaced here, and was making her way up the wall. And when she finally got to a place where I mean, she must have been more than halfway, probably fif- between 15 and 20 feet up, she reached her limit. And it was like, and then she just got tired and kind of slipped. And, and sure enough, the pulley system let her back down uh, and, and she did it. I mean, she didn't make it to the top and ring the bell, but it was really something. Well, I bring that up to you for a reason, uh, because in our own attempts to 
scale the, the ascent. St. John of the Cross talks about the ascent of Mount Carmel, where he's describing the ascent of the spiritual life, where you go through these different stages. If you listen to yesterday's program, it was discussing various quotes from the writings of St. John of the Cross and talking about the way in which we advance from stage to stage. And I have to tell you that there are various aids, various helps that the Lord gives to us, especially as Catholics. And this is what I'm going to talk a bit about just as I get launched into the program, are the things that harness us so that we can feel safe and secure. And even that that nudge, that pull up, uh, the way that that safety harness was providing a like a uh, uh, it was a, it was a it was a kind of again a pulley system that was kind of pulling her up a bit, not a lot, but it was it was just giving her that sense of it was taut. That's the word I'm looking for. It wasn't slack; it was taut, and so tight, right? And so the it allowed her to safely maneuver and climb. We are called upon to scale this wall of growth and holiness. We are called to grow in holiness. I was having a dinner, Carrie and I, our family, was having a dinner with a refugee family. That's what we're calling them. The, the, the folks that have made the discernment and the decision to move their family, and they landed in this area. And they were reflecting on one of the things that has dawned on them, one of the things that dawned on them about being intentional regarding living your faith. And by the way, I'm going to get back to the harness part in a minute. But the reflection that she offered was this. She said, you know, I, I think I had this unspoken idea that if I went to church with my family on Sunday, said a blessing at the meal, uh, as a standard practice in the family, and uh, professed a Catholic belief system and, and strove to live in accord with Catholic morals, that I was doing great. In fact, I was doing great because it was so easy to compare what we were doing to the other families that we saw around us that also identified as Catholic. And so she was talking about a context where there was, uh, her family was attending a Catholic grade school, and so you have all of these families that are identifying as Catholic, sending their kids to the Catholic school. Now, some of them weren't Catholic, but still sending them kids to the Catholic school. But you would see only a small percentage of them going to Mass on Sunday, and among those going to Mass on Sunday, there was, uh, again, a smaller percentage who had a sense of uh, confidence to say, I'm articulating out loud that I am identifying as a Catholic in my home, in my family, and I am going to in, uh, uh, strive to hand on that faith to my kids. Um, but in contrast, she was saying, being challenged to take an action that wasn't expected, planned, to take an action that was 
like serious and all in, like uprooting a family that was comfortably established among friends and other family around them and saying, we are going to move because of faith. We're going to move for the sake of going deeper into faith. There was this whole other like realm. There was, there was this height. There was this uh, height to scale that was saying, we're called to get up there. We're called to go up higher. We're called to go up to that height, way up there. We're called to ring that bell. But that bell is so far away from where we are now, and it seems so scary. It seems so unlikely. It seems practically impossible to get from the ground where we're at to actually get up this 90-degree vertical wall on these stones and be able to ring that bell and say, I accomplished the task that I am feeling an urge, a nudge to do. How in the world am I going to get there? And where she is at now and, and where her family is at now is, is this recognition that, you know what? We weren't measuring ourselves as a family. We, my husband and I, weren't measuring our own faith practice against the right measure. We were measuring it against the visibility of the practice of faith of those that were around us. And you know what? We were doing really well. (laughs) Things were looking really good in comparison to the way most other people were living their faith. And so she said that there was this, uh, I'm going to, I'll use the phrase that kind of the blinders came off or there was this, like this new level of awareness, recognition, conversion that said, wait a minute, There's something more being asked of me, of my spouse, in this instance, her husband, the two of them. And the specific specific thing that was being asked of them was to be willing to take an action that was, again, unplanned, it wasn't sought for, it wasn't comfortable, it wasn't a dream of theirs, but it was something that became an imperative a necessary decision, even one that would cause an uprooting and a degree of suffering among the kids for the sake of, to use a dramatic phrase, saving their souls or preserving their the freshness of their lives to protect them against being uh, immersed in a toxic environment that was going to undermine and weaken and diminish their the fullness of their Catholic faith. And when she talks about having made the move now, how much relief there is, how much joy there is, how much sense of mission accomplished there is, but at the same time, the recognition that, you know what, we aren't at the top of the climbing wall yet. (laughs) We maybe reached that first bell, rang the bell, we made it that far, but you know what? Blow off the top of the roof and that climbing wall goes a lot higher, a lot higher than we had imagined. That there's way more for us. And now the way more for us, for them, is what they're trying to discern. All right, Lord, well, what's next? Okay, we did that, 
And wow, thank you, Lord, for the grace of being able to discern that action and then taking that action. But, well, now what? What what are we supposed to do now? And honestly, that's something that we're also discerning, Carrie and I, trying to get a, a clearer sense of, all right, Lord, what do you have for us now? Um, what is the next thing you have for us? And uh, we're actually meeting with um, Father Lewis and going to talk some more and pray some more about um, how to help, well, families that have moved here, but um, how to help us and, and other families who, are, who have that sense of hunger, that, that, that sense of saying, you know what, it's not sufficient. It's not sufficient to just do the typical Catholic things that keep us in a, let's call it a, a pretty safe and secure place but not one that is really challenging us to go deeper. Not one that really stretches us to extend ourselves in ways that are extraordinary or heroic, things that are next level up, right? Things that are going to get us to even higher heights in that journey of holiness. Well, this is where we get to the harness, that safety harness, that cable that is going to also keep us there, that if we do climb, we don't have to worry that we're going to fall and hurt ourselves. And so I'm going to dig into some of the harnesses that the Lord provides for you and for me as we strive to go deeper into this journey of faith for ourselves, for our spouses, for our families in this moment in history. I'm also going to talk about uh, some of the challenges that as we're scaling that wall, that might give us the impetus to say, if we simply stay the course in the way that we've lived our life to this point, the challenges that are going to, in fact, undermine our lives of faith, that there is no staying still. You either are going to press forward and give more, more intentionally, more vigorously, more, let's call it the word heroically, or you will fall back and you will see detrimental impacts in your life and in the life of faith of your family. There is no floating or staying in a holding pattern. You will either go deeper or you will be washed away with the flood. That's a dramatic statement, but it's something that I'm feeling very strongly in my own spirit these days and in this particular Advent. When we come back, I'm also going to talk about one way that I feel like the Lord is challenging me. Strap on that harness, Tom, because I've got a lot more, I've got more depths for you to plumb as well. And that means heroic challenges for me as well. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com drtomcurran.com okay back to sound insight hey welcome back to sound insight it's great to be with you today so 
Uh, you just heard a message related to the fact that I'm doing real estate. And if you're paying attention to the economy and what the Federal Reserve is saying, then you heard yesterday that they decided to raise the uh, the interest rate another half a percent. And that's going to have an impact likely on interest rates that you'll see for those that are considering buying a home or and need to get a loan or refinancing or getting a line of credit. And so that's a it's a big deal trying to navigate these waters, trying to figure out, um, hey, if I'm trying to get to that next place, if I'm trying to get to that like next level up, and that involves something to do with your home, it is really critical that you're working with the right kind of folks uh, to be able to help you discern. So if you would find it valuable to discern, I'm happy to be able to help with that. I can do that over Zoom. And so you can do that by going to drtomcurran.com and you can just uh, request a, uh, a consultation. It doesn't cost anything. It's really my, it's, it's my sense of mission. It really is. It's my sense of mission where uh, it, when the Lord is challenging me to, to get to a higher level, to a next place, part of what that meant for my life was taking the gifts and skills that the Lord had forged in me in faith settings, but also in corporate settings, helping CEOs and other senior executives to discern and take action around strategic matters that are holding them back uh, in terms of getting to their next place. And I loved doing that, but a year, just over, what, about a year and a half ago, I, I realized, hey, wait a minute, I can take all those gifts and skills and put them at the service of families, Catholic families and um, families of faith who are discerning what do I do about um, about making a move? How do I actually go about doing that? And a lot of folks need that harness. Uh, they are not intended to fight that battle alone. We're, we're called to draw upon the community of faith. We're called to draw upon others, brothers and sisters in the community of faith, to be able to um, take the steps that we are called to take. And I think that that's something that um, I have found is one of the most important factors that will help uh, a person of faith get to the next level. Okay, so I think about this, and and this is what I'm talking about in this in this segment of the program is the idea that if the Lord is asking you to scale a wall that looks impossible without the support, without the, the 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 safety harness, without the harness to be able to help you get to that higher place. One of the first places to look is community, brothers and sisters who have a sense of call to walk with you. And uh, I, I mean, when I'm talking about walking with you in terms of like discerning, taking action regarding a home, like real estate, whether you're selling a home, buying a home, moving or whatever, that's one dimension. But let's even, let's even dig down into the uh, more fundamental realities or let me say this another manifestation another manifestation of these fundamental realities of um, leading providing and protecting my family right because that's the call that's the call and and it's again I I'll never tire of saying it now because it's something that I was not taught even though I am a systematic theologian and I studied theology for about 20 years of taking classes and reading books and churches teaching and giving tons of talks 
to men and women and couples, it for some reason there wasn't handed on to me in the classes that I took, in the documents that I read, something as simple and as clean and clear as the following. If you're called to be married, the Lord is calling you to help your spouse become a saint and any children God gives you to become saints. And in becoming saints, also to discover and live their God-given mission. And you will do that by recognizing your call to lead, provide, and protect your family. There it is. If you're called to be married, you're called to lead. You're called to provide, and you're called to protect your family. And that's in every dimension, right? We first naturally think of the material dimension of leading, providing, and protecting, and often that is first focused on provision, and that means working and making money and and get, and that that's what's going to also allow for the protection of my family, right? But it it goes far beyond that. It goes far beyond that uh, to the to the spiritual dimension as well. And then even you know I say spiritual dimension. This encompasses like relationships. This this covers education. This covers formation to live a healthy, flourishing human life as a as a citizen, right? As a, a citizen that is pursuing the common good, but doing so in the context of faith, doing so in the light of faith. I don't mean to just throw around a lot of words that are theological or or uh, spiritual or uh, words that are like somehow connected to religion. I'm trying to make it as grounded as as I can. You are called upon. If you're called to lead, you're called to go first. You're called to go in front. You're called to take that risk of uh, being like you know you you've seen the the cutesy posters or you've heard the statistics that when you see geese flying south, they fly in a formation that's like an arrow uh, head. Uh, and the the one that's in the front is the one that is bearing the the greatest burden of the of the wind, and and then those that kind of get in line along the two different uh, sides have less uh, resistance because of the resistance that's being cut by the one in front of them, and then how they take turns moving into that front spot, right? <laughs> or whether it's the reality that the one who goes out front first is the one that's the target, is the one that's blazing the trail. It's the one that has to cut down the trees in order to make a path, right? All of those different uh, analogies and, and metaphors for leadership, not that complicated. If you're leading, you're supposed to go first. You're supposed to take the initiative. You're called upon to provide guidance by where you lead by how you lead. And so if if we need a harness, part of that harness, part of that supportive community of the brothers for the men and sisters in Christ for the women will be the support, encouragement, and accountability, the challenge to say you need to lead your family. So lead your family means, you know what? You need to not only be the one who says, kids, get over here, time to pray a family prayer tonight, time to pray a family rosary. Hey, kids, 
we're not going to watch those kind of shows in this house. We're not going to access this kind of media in our home. We're not going to spend our time, our energy, our money, our focus, our attention on these things. We're going to put our attention on these things, spiritual things. Um, you're Taking that initiative, going first, pushing out there, getting out there, that that's not easy, but is needed. It's desperately needed. And so I think about it and I say, well, let's let's uncover more. Well, in the past, I've talked about being a leader for your family, going first for your family, means doing so on behalf of, for the sake of, and in the place of. Those I love those phrases, those prepositional phrases, for the sake of, in the place of, and on behalf of. And, and those are ways of acknowledging or specifying a little bit more clearly what it means to go first. So if I'm going to go first, I'm not just doing so for my own sake. I'm doing it for the sake of those who are coming behind me. In other words, if I know that the green pastures are on the other side of this dense thicket of, of thorns and this, uh, these bushes and this uh, forest that's over, overgrown, then you know what? I'm going to go first. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take the tools I need, uh, the machete. I'm going to take the, uh, the, the things that I need to cut through those branches, to cut through those bushes, to clear away a path. And I'm going to do the hard work to literally make a path where there isn't any. And if I do that, then you know what happens? Those that are behind me are going to be able to walk on the path. So I'm doing it for their sake. I'm doing it for their sake. So I'm going forward. I'm taking this action for their sake. Okay, let's, let's take that. Okay, let's hold on to this analogy. And let's apply this to spiritually. Spiritually, what does it mean to clear the thickets? Spiritually, what does it mean to, to knock down some trees and, and chop down some trees and, and, and actually start raking out a path and getting boulders and rocks out of the way and, and smoothing a path so that they can walk through and make it easier? What's the spiritual analog of that? Okay, well, it's, it's this. This is one of them. It's, do you want your kids to pray a rosary at night with you as a family? Yes. Do you want them to pray it well? Yes. Will they pray it well? Typically, no. Except extraordinary grace of God, they are not going to pray it well. Well, what can you do to help clear the path? Well, the first thing you can do is get up early in the morning and pray a rosary for that rosary. Did you hear that? You get up early in the morning, or do it during the day if you need to. You get up and you pray a rosary on behalf of, for the sake of, the rosary that's to come later that night. Do you see what you're doing? You're, you're going to clear away the blockage, clear away the blockage to them having the graces they need to be focused and attentive, to be disposed to pray a rosary well. As you begin to take prayer times during the day on behalf of the prayer time that you're going to take with your kids that night, you're now starting to live your vocation. Your vocation as a husband and a father, as a wife and a mother. Did you ever think that that's actually what it means to be a godly Catholic Christian father? It means that your life isn't your own. 
I'm going to say it again. Your life isn't your own. It's not only that it belongs to Christ, but it belongs to Christ who's called you to fulfill a mission. And if you're going to fulfill that mission, then you realize that your life isn't your own. You're going to start thinking about things and doing things on behalf of those that you're leading. If you're going to lead them, if you're really, really, really going to lead them, then you're going to do more than you're asking them to do. You're going to do more in a secret, hidden way. They're not going to know about it. You're not going to tell them about it. You're not going to draw attention to it. You're not going to say, do you realize you should be praying this rosary at night well because I prayed one in the morning for you? No, that's not the way it works. It's a hidden, secret work that you're doing that is invisible to them that you're doing on their behalf. You want to up your game a little bit? Pray that rosary on your knees. Yeah, that's right. Pray it on your knees. And if you find that you're distracted in praying the first joyful mystery or today, the first sorrowful mystery, the, the uh, agony in the garden, you know what you do? You stop and you go back and you start it over again. You pray that first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden, and you meditate on that mystery. You let your mind focus on the mystery. And if you fade off, start over. Start over the decade. Until you pray that rosary well on your knees. Whoa. How come we don't hear this kind of challenge? Well, it's because we haven't been taught what it means to lead our families. Oh, but we're not done. There's more. Do you want your kids to be properly disposed in terms of sensing a spiritual hunger during their prayer? Because they do desire God. They're made for God. That desire lives in their hearts, but it's often covered over, crowded out, muffled because of how they're living their lives, because their faith hasn't grown and developed and matured enough. You know what you can do? How do you think you can, as the leader in your family, help them become aware to uproot out of them the things that are blocking them from recognizing the spiritual hunger that is theirs? You probably know what it is. Fast. That's right. Deny yourself. Deny yourself food. Deny yourself comfortable, enjoyable food. Actually fast. Fast during that day. You're not fasting for yourself. You're not fasting because you want to grow higher in that spiritual wall yourself. You're, you're trying to do some spiritual wall climbing there. No, you're doing it because you're called to lead your family. And your family's struggling because they don't recognize their hunger and thirst for God. So do you know what you do? You start fasting on their behalf. Start fasting for their sake so that they who are giving themselves over to the comforts and the satisfactions of this world might be disrupted in that way of living and come to recognize that they truly long and thirst for God. Holy, holy, holy Lord, <laughs> goodness gracious, this is what it means to lead your family? Yeah, go first, go first. And, and you know what it means? It also means, oh yeah, it means being pra practical. It really does. It means being practical. It means being pragmatic and strategic, right? What does that mean? It means things like, hey, guys, this week on Tuesday and Thursday night, or this Wednesday, uh, Wednesday and Thursday night, or Thursday and Friday night, we're going to be praying a rosary as a family, so let's make sure that we're ready to go by 8 o'clock, or whatever time you know you're going to be in bed, you set it up for success. 
Okay, set it up for success. What does that mean, set it up for success? That means you give them the uh, acknowledgement that it's going to happen earlier in the week, so they're not caught off guard. You give them the reminder earlier that day, and then you make sure you protect that time when you get to dinner time. Guys, just remember now, after dinner, let's clean up, let's get some homework ready so that we can pray our rosary at 8 o'clock. Those are some strategic things to do. I've got a couple more as well, and I'll tell you them in a minute on Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you all. So I'm talking about leading, providing, and protecting your family. You're called to scale this wall, right? So there's a wall climb that we're making here. We want to get to a higher place. We're going to use the harness that God has given to us to be able to get to that higher place safely and securely because we are called upon to make that decision, to say it's not enough to just settle for less and live a simple life that says, you know what, I'm going to church. I get my kids to mass. I got them involved in a Catholic school. We say a prayer, uh, a blessing over a meal. I'm doing better than 80% of the Catholics I know. I'm doing awesome. The challenge is that kind of life is going to lead your kids, most likely 86% chance that your kids, by the time they're 25, are not going to be practicing their Catholic faith. They're going to be none or done. You know, you've heard of one and done. <laughs> you lose one and you're out. Well, now we're in an age of nuns and duns. Nuns are those who no longer affiliate with any religious faith, or duns, those who say, I'm done with religion and God altogether. That's what's growing in our time, and that's what you should expect to happen to your kids. That is what you should expect to happen to your kids. I have faced too many parents, grandparents, who have said, I did everything right, everything I was told, and my kids are not practicing their faith. They haven't baptized their kids. They didn't get married in the church. What do I do? I'm in so much pain and suffering. I thought I did enough. Well, part of what we are called to do is more than just what we thought is enough. What we thought was enough is not going to get the job done today. It's not sufficient to just even do those good things, as good and necessary as they are. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. In order to have your kids live an ordinary Christian life today requires a heroic effort from you. In order to have your kids continue to profess a Catholic Christian way of living their lives by the time they get out of college, it takes an extraordinary effort from you. Extraordinary effort. The willingness to make serious, generous efforts of sacrifice, of, of self-giving, of generously coming before the Lord and crying out, as well as investing in your kids' lives, doing whatever you need to do for the sake of protecting, providing for, and leading them along the path of faith. Right now, I'm talking about leading. Leading means going first, and now you're starting to hear about what going first looks like. 
So there are a lot of hidden things that going first means you're living your life for the sake of others, on behalf of others, and in the place of others. So in the place of others, one of the things that you must realize is that you are protecting your kids spiritually by how you live your life of faith, by being radical about repentance, about being vigorous and rigorous about repentance and protecting your spiritual life from harm and danger. Your holiness is your kids' best protection. You didn't hear it. Let me say it again. Your living a holy life is your kids' best protection. I just read a study or an article about a study that was released in England, but I, I want to say that England probably mirrors uh, the reality of the United States regarding internet pornography. And it mentioned that the instance of uh, individuals identifying as being addicted to pornography has gone up over 300% since 2020, since the COVID lockdowns. With the level of isolation that happened there, the shutdown of so many sectors of life that happened there, are we really surprised that instances of internet use for pornographic purposes went up? Well, no, we all, if you just gave it a moment's thought, realized that this was going to happen. And honestly, I think that this is connected to the uh, increased instance instances of domestic violence and domestic sexual abuse that also was reported on but not really highlighted. I think that those bits of research are going to probably come out later. But in the meantime, to stand in horror, to stand in horror at the horrific increase in sexual addiction an addiction to pornography that has grown in the last two years. You think that your kids, your teenagers, are not going to be influenced by this? They're not going to be impacted by this? Please do not be naive. Please don't be naive. When I grew up, my temptation to accessing even the, uh, like, serious R-rated material. I didn't have any access to X-rated material, but to serious R-rated material was only through, like if uh, at one point we had a subscription to HBO at the time, or honestly it was some like channel that came from Canada, uh, a French channel that on like late weekend nights, if I stayed up really late, I might be able to, uh, be able to access something like that or a National Geographic magazine. I mean, it, like, it's ridiculous the, the, the challenge I had, the walls that were up in front of me to ever be able to access any kind of nudity or pornography uh, in, in my world. It was, it was, frankly, practically non-existent. Um, compared to now, compared to now, it, there are probably 10 devices in my home that 
would give any one of my kids access in less than 10 seconds to the most filthy, uh, disgusting forms of sexual activity in uh, HD, live, interactive. And parents, do you have any awareness of this? Do you have any idea what your kids are potentially exposed to and the damage that that has? The damage that has by planting these images in their memory by the, the demonic realm and the, the fallen human nature stirring these things into their imagination. And the way that that can stunt, it can twist, it can uh, disturb the peaceful development of their sexual identity. And then you have the just the terrible, terrible ways that social media platforms like TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram are twisting, like through a fire hose, just twisting in the most clever, seductive, and um, uh, threatening ways. Like uh, the the twisted, anti-God, anti-healthy human sexuality uh, understandings of uh, our kids' own sense of uh, identity as a as a sexual being, as a gendered being. And instead, we have this gender ideology that is just demonic, guys. It's, it's demonic. And who's standing up and speaking out and pushing back? Who's protecting our kids from this stuff? Who's defending our kids from this stuff? It's you. You've got to do it. Don't rely on your priest. Don't rely on your bishop. Don't rely on your school. Your schools, even your Catholic schools, have presume that your Catholic schools have succumbed to gender ideology to these agendas of LGBTQIA plus community, whatever other letters are going to be part of that acronym, that presume that your administration and teachers and students in the halls are supporting and promoting this demonic lifestyle. It's demonically disturbing and destroying kids' lives, and any attempts that any influencer would have to say, I bought into that lie, I succumbed to it, I gave into this transitioning process, and I mutilated my body, and I was just misled, and now I, I regret what I've done, and I've, I've destroyed my body, and, and now what am I going to do? And, and you've got to stop letting these... Uh, these kids in their early teens without parents' permission or support or knowledge undergo hormone treatments and surgeries that are mutilating them. Where, where are the courageous men? Where are the courageous godly men who are going to stand up and say, not on my watch, not, not, not the children under my care. No, not my kids, but not just other kids that are in my realm of influence. Where are we? Where are they? We're called to lead and provide and protect our kids. And this, all of a sudden, this like climbing wall it seems really high, seems really daunting. And it feels like we're out there without any harness at all. But it's not true. The Lord is in control. And the Lord gives us each other. He gives us the strength. He gives us the support. He gives us the encouragement. But he also gives us the accountability that we are up. It's our turn. Back in a minute with more Sundance. 
Welcome back to Sound Insight. So I got all fired up there, but I don't think I brought home the point that it's our holiness that's our kids' best protection. In other words, you, you, you better be striving for purity, modesty, chastity, and self-control in your own life. You want your kids to be pure and modest and chaste? Are they dressing immodestly? Are they having attitudes that are immodest or impure? Are they potentially exposed and being drawn into that world? Not only you better be aware and taking action to protect and lock down technology in your home and uh, being very aware of the kids they're hanging around with and what's happening in their homes and what they have on their devices, you absolutely better be also um, living a holy life yourself. Because the the sad statistical reality is that it, and I don't even know if I believe it's true, but this was what was on a recent website from, it was either Barna Research or Pew Research, and it was about uh, the... Um, the percentage of, uh, I think it was church staff that had a problem with internet pornography, right? So it was an issue. Not saying that they're addicted, but they had an issue with it. So it was a sinful thing, and, and hopefully they're battling it. It was 70%. And I just hear that. I'm just shocked. It's 70%. And, and the funny thing was, I mentioned this to a priest. He said, no, nah, I think it would be higher. I'm like, What? <laughs> And it goes to show you, it just goes to show you the, this is, this is a plague. This is a pandemic. This is a pandemic right here. And, and do do you see kind of what's happened here in the middle of the COVID pandemic? What ended up happening? It unleashed a, a pandemic that was far worse, far more dangerous, far more deadly from a spiritual standpoint. It deadens, it deadens one's own spirit. It deadens marriages. It deadens family life. It deadens one's sense of authentic sexuality and flourishing. Oh, God bless us. And, and so you want your kids to be holy. Yeah. You want your kids to be pure. Yeah. Repent, man. Repent. Renounce attitudes that are impure, immodest, unholy, and that lack self-control. And cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord to transform your mind and your heart. Uh, for a lot, there, there's going to be a lot of healing that's needed. There's going to be a lot of healing because pornography damages. It damages the spirit. It damages the the sexual development, uh, the emotional, psycho-emotional sexual development of of young people, they become addicted to the the dopamine rush that happens, and they get stuck, and they get trapped, and they learn through this to uh, give in to self abuse. Uh, self abuse is is uh, the traditional way of referring to masturbation. That uh, that the very use of their um, sexual function becomes marked by a bondage bringing behavior. It's abusing oneself, and this needs to be battled against, right? So. Uh, I, I don't want to overfocus on this, but let me just again, who's who's telling you this stuff? Right? You want to be a, you want to be a, 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 do you want to be a husband that's godly and lives your Catholic call today? It's not enough to just go to mass and lead your family in a blessing at a meal and gather them for family prayer now and then. It's not enough. You, you you're taking on uh, a massive spiritual battle, an amazing, incredible call that is yours right now to take up the, the sword of the Spirit, to take up spiritual weapons and be ready to go out first in battle.
Now, don't try to do it alone. This is where, again, you need the harness of brothers and sisters. Men need brothers, not sisters in Christ. Men need brothers in Christ. Women need sisters in Christ that you can share with openly and honestly, that you can share the struggles and the victories. You can ask for some accountability. Speak into my life. Help me to deal with this. Uh, You need uh, to focus on how do I go to confession? How often do I go to confession? How do I battle that, right? And uh, battle against sin, but draw upon the grace of the sacraments. This is Advent. Advent is a time to uproot the things that are blocking the coming of Christ into our lives in a deeper way, in a deeper dimension. So you're called to lead your family. You're called to protect your family, spiritually protecting your family. And so that also means protecting them from relationships that, in fact, are going to damage their lives. This, I'm not saying any of these things are easy. I am saying that it's our call. If there's a reason why the, the Catholic Church is, is bleeding out members, by it's, it's, it's just hard to even measure how quickly our parishes are just dying and in terms of uh, vibrancy, the numbers of families that are there, and and what what's the reason why? Well, if there were more vibrant, vigorous, courageous, heroic living of the faith, you know what that would do? It would radiate. It would radiate. We would we would sense it. We would experience it. It would be magnetic. It's one of those principles of the Christian life: that which is radiant is magnetic. That which is radiant is magnetic. God's glory radiates. It shines forth. And in shining forth, it draws us to himself. We, it's the very love of God that is made manifest that is like a magnet that draws us to himself. And that's that desire in the heart, the hunger in the heart, the emptiness in the heart is for the love that has washed over us in the radiance of, of God's glory. And so Jesus, we, we just cry out like, Lord Jesus, you better come quickly. Come quickly this Christmas season. Give us the grace to uproot through fasting, through prayer, through study, right? We are called upon to lead and protect, but also provide. How do I provide spiritually for my family? Well, out of the fullness that you've received, you give. You can't give what you don't have. And so that means not only are you getting up early and praying a rosary on behalf of your kids and fasting for them so that they'll have blockages removed, and not only are you being strategic about setting them up for success by letting them know, hey, we're going to be praying a rosary on Thursday night, so get ready for it, and then reminding them Thursday morning, and then on Thursday at dinner time, making sure they don't get caught off guard, and then Thursday night, you, ah, you get the place set, Okay, where are we going to be? Okay, what are the mysteries? Maybe we get some scriptural uh, scriptural rosary, so we're going to read the scriptures associated with that mystery so that the kids will be able to follow along, or we get some pictures of it, or we talk about what the mystery is, and then we're got, right? Yeah, there's some real effort there. You know what that is? That's provision. That's provision. You are taking steps that are, guess what? It's not immediately to hand not ready-made. It's not just follow a program. It's you putting in effort. You put in effort for a lot of things in your life. How much effort do you put in, if you got kids, how much effort are you putting in to getting them to be at the school they're in, or to be on the sports team that they're on, or to be involved in the music, the dance, the cheerleading, the the uh, musical instrument, the, the drama, the whatever the big hobby is that they're involved in? How much effort do you put into that? Yeah, quite a bit. 
You make all kinds of sacrifices. You're paying all kinds of money. You're doing all kinds of driving and hanging around and being present at practices and games or other events that they're involved in. You do a ton of stuff for the sake of them being able to kick a ball into a net, throw a ball, in, <laughs> shoot a ball into a hoop. How much time and effort are you putting into helping them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ? I mean, if I'm not going to tell you, who's going to tell you? If I'm not going to challenge you in this, you're called to provide for them. You're called to provide in ways, and I'm not just here to kind of beat you up, uh, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm looking in the mirror, right? And maybe I'm not making that clear enough. Like all these things I'm saying about the need to get up early and pray a rosary for and fast for and take a cold shower for and to live a holy life for and go to confession for, it's a whole mentality. It's a whole consciousness that grows in us. And it's a, it's a mentality that is growing in me, and I'm praying that it continues to grow in me. And I emphasize it because it didn't get shared with me early enough in my married life. I wish it had. And I just want to make sure that anybody that is launched into their married life, you realize that this is the call. Do not doubt it. I'm not making this stuff up. It's in the church's teaching. You go read any document on married life, and you'll hear, you'll hear the call. You're called to make your spouse a saint and any kids that God has given you. And you do that by help fostering in them the mission that God has given to them. And you do that by leading and providing and protecting them. It's that simple. Leading, you go before them. You go first. right? But that's where we, we again, we have to kind of get our, where, where does the rubber meet the road? Get the boots on the ground. right? I'm giving you some boots on the ground stuff to do so that you're not just left thinking in your head, oh, uh, yeah, I, I've got this. I'm saying you've got to pray more than you've prayed before, fast more than you've ever prayed, fasted, and give up stuff. Do penance. Do penance. Acts of reparation, acts of expiation of sins. Penance, like I mentioned, cold showers, sleep less, pray more, pray on your knees, surrender and don't eat the comfortable desserts. Uh, eat food that's more bland, don't eat that much food. Um, uh, give alms, extend yourself, serving others without uh, any acknowledgement or, or without any sense of gratitude. And yes, give generously, give sacrificially. Don't just think I need to protect myself and my own family in this tough time, but ask, Lord, how can I extend, how can I extend the generosity that you've given to me, to others, by how I share from the wealth that you've given to me? That's just a whole other conversation. All right, hopefully that's enough. There you go. There's my update for Advent. <laughs> just a lot going on. All right, stick around tomorrow. Come back for more Sun Insight. God bless your day.